I think the most important tip that I can give HR professionals is that the importance of making or creating emotional hooks and making connections with candidates quickly really has a lot to do with how well that relationship is going to go and how long it's going to last. That's Carrington Smith Tribune, former trial lawyer, book author, single mom, and owner of Carrington Legal Search. For the past 22 years, Harry has advised executives on careers and life. On today's show, we're going to talk about legal employment trends in compensation, benefits, and remote work. And we'll also talk about advising executives on careers and life. I'm your host, Marie-Lynne Germain. Welcome to the show, Carrington. Hi, Marie-Lynne. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with the legal employment trends. What are they regarding compensation and benefits? Well, let's start with just the employment trends in general first, which is like many different companies out there, you know, reacting to the current economic situation, we're starting to see law firms limit their hiring, but also some firms are conducting layoffs, particularly firms that are either really heavy in the tech sector or have a lot of a transaction-based practice. So firms that are focused on venture capital in particular, we're seeing a lot of pullback there and some layoffs. And so with benefits, what we're seeing is we still have a lot of high demand for lawyers. We do know that the legal profession in general is projected to grow about 10% over the next year, but it's just where that growth is going to happen. And so it's still super important since we have sort of a situation where with lawyer demographics, we really don't have enough lawyers at this moment, which is hard for everybody to believe. So it's so important to not have turnover. And so what I really encourage, you know, law firm hiring managers and company hiring managers is when you're doing that hiring to really pay attention to alignment of culture and values and create connections quickly so that immediately the person you're hiring feels some sort of emotional hook to the company or firm. And so some of the trends we're seeing in the benefit space are related to feeling that connection and feeling cared for. So we're seeing an increase in lunches and events to get people back in the office. And we're seeing an increase in things around mental health care and well-being. And I think that's really where the focus is right now. Now, you just mentioned turnover in the law industry. Why is there a turnover? So the legal profession is extremely demanding and there's, you know, a fair amount of dissatisfaction with the profession in general because people work so hard and work so many long hours. And so people try to solve for that problem either by offering really robust compensation packages or by trying to offer a better workplace. And it's really interesting to look at statistics that the firms that actually offer the most compensation actually also have the highest turnover. And I find that absolutely fascinating because you would think it would be the opposite. And it's not because where they pay less, they don't work as hard. They actually 
tend to bill more hours at the places that pay less and have less turnover. So I think it really comes down to creating an environment where people feel valued and that their work matters. And those are the things that really help to decrease with turnover. Do you think there's a generational difference in the expectations of the job itself? In other words, could Gen X attorneys have different expectations in terms of work-life balance compared to attorneys who might be still in the baby boomer generation? Yes, absolutely. It's really interesting because the baby boomer generation was all about you work hard and you get the gold watch and you don't change firms or companies. You know, you stay with the same place and working grueling hours was just part of the deal. I think that what we've seen with millennials and even, you know, Gen Z who's starting to enter the workforce is this real desire for a more holistic approach to careers where we look at, you know, not just showing up at work and getting a paycheck, but how does this impact our life in general? And so the demand for benefits related to employee well-being is directly correlated to, I think, the generational shift, but also to the pandemic. As I like to say that when the pandemic happened, and I'm Gen X, we, baby boomers, Gen X, probably I would include in this, were brought up that we should have two different personas a professional persona and a personal persona, and the two should never meet. (laughs) So we kept our personal lives out of our work. But with the pandemic and the advent of the Zoom conference call and seeing the inside people's homes during a really bad time, suddenly these two personas merged. And I don't think there's any going back from that. So now we look at people and it's not just about providing them a good work environment, but it's looking at their lives holistically and seeing how the job itself impacts the rest of their lives. Now, do you think that the use of Zoom for the profession of attorney has changed some of the mentalities in law firms? In other words, is it now acceptable to have Zoom calls or is it back 100% in the office Are clients expecting to go back in the office? Are attorneys also expecting to go back in the office? Or some have been able to negotiate a kind of a remote work, the ability to work remotely? Well, I think we're starting to see the impacts of particularly these young lawyers who started out where they weren't going into the office at all. And we're starting to identify deficits in their how they operate and deal with clients and people and sort of lacking those interpersonal skills that are so critical. And that office cooler talk that where the mentoring happens, you know, we're, we're seeing a real push for lawyers to go back in the office, but that's not true everywhere. It's really interesting to see that lawyers who are actually at the higher level at companies, I'm starting to see more openings for remote lawyers at the highest levels. And I think the reason for that is, I think it's sort of understood when you get to that level that it doesn't matter where you are, you're going to be, if you've reached a level of accomplishment, then you can do it from anywhere. But I think companies are really starting to come to grips with the fact that the very best talent may be in another geography. And there may be, and I really think about people who are 
at that very top tier who are going to move into, say, a chief legal officer or general counsel role, they oftentimes are also the people who have kids in high school, where it's super difficult to pull somebody out of, you know, get them to change schools at that age and makes it even harder to recruit that talent to maybe move across country. So I'm seeing more flexibility at the highest levels for in-house roles, which I think is really interesting. And I'm starting to see a, a more of a pullback on the firm side of them wanting to pull people back into the office for training purposes. Since we're talking about remote work, what are the legal trends regarding remote work? Well, I think we just kind of discussed a little bit of them right there, but there is Again, it's a general understanding that certain talent is just maybe not in the geography you're looking for. And so there is greater flexibility in general to let people work remotely if you can't find that talent nearby. However, there's still a very strong preference to have people come into the office when possible, or at least do some sort of hybrid situation where, you know, if they're in working in Dallas, if there's a Houston office, come to Houston, you know, once a month or something just to have to form those personal bonds that are so critical, particularly in times of crisis. You know, if you have a situation that happens at work and you don't have those bonds in place, it really becomes difficult to navigate the situation. So you've been advising Fortune 500 executives for over two decades and you advise them on careers and life. Can you give us some examples of advice you've given lately? Yeah. So, and this also really has to do with how my advice has evolved after experiencing the pandemic myself. I think it helped me adjust my viewpoint on how we should approach career and life. And that is, I tell people, as opposed to just looking at job listings and saying, you know, I could do that job, or I'd like that job, or maybe I want to do this, really to start with the end in mind. And that is, where do you want to end up? What do you want your life to look like? And not just on a very broad scale, but on a day-to-day sort of minute-to-minute scale, as in flexibility is very important to me, or I'm okay working eight hours a day in an office. Really starting with the end in mind and saying, you know, I want to have a family. So I want to have that flexibility of working from home or whatever the situation is. But when you start with the end in mind and you write a story about what that's going to look like, it helps you when you come pull back. And when you're evaluating opportunities, if you say, does that opportunity help me meet those long-term goals of where I want to end up? Is that opportunity going to fit in to how I want to live my life, that work-life style that I'm looking for? And I think if people approach their career from that direction, it really helps them in making decisions and they have a lot more clarity, but they also end up a lot happier. And I think we all want less turnover. Even the people who are making those job changes, they want to end up someplace where they're truly going to be happy. And if you start with the end in mind and work from that direction, you're more likely to end up there. Any specific to HR professionals, do you have any advice for them? I do. I think it's very important for HR professionals to first really be flexible about when you're trying to hire talent. And if you've identified someone who's fabulous, try to be creative on how to make that work as opposed to getting hung up on sort of rules and regulations. But I think the most important tip that I can give HR professionals is that 
the importance of creating emotional hooks and making connections with candidates quickly really has a lot to do with how well that relationship is going to go and how long it's going to last. And what I mean by that is when you're interviewing someone, get them involved with people either they know in the organization or with their managers and get them in person quickly, even if they're going to work remotely, so that they develop those personal connections and feel a connection to the company that didn't previously exist. A few minutes ago, we talked about turnover in the legal profession. You're a former trial lawyer. So are you part of that turnover? And you're now the owner of Carrington Legal, sir. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I am part of that turnover. I mean, I did the whole, and I guess that really helps me speak to people because having worked as a trial lawyer, I achieved that certain level of career success. I actually first shared cases and tried cases, which a lot of people never actually get to do. But that wasn't enough for me because I realized that when I was done trying a case, I'd worked so hard that my friends had forgotten about me. And I really, I needed that social interaction for me to be personally happy. So I looked at what I was doing and I said, wow, I really love lawyers. I love the stimulating intellectual conversations that we have. I love learning about the law and the profession of the law, but I really wanted to have more social interaction with lawyers and really get to know them and what makes them tick. And so I did go through that personal journey of evaluating, sort of doing the what color is your parachute evaluation, taking different tests online to see what my strengths and weaknesses were. And it helped me to understand better why the actual practice of law wasn't the best fit for me and doing what I do now is And so I encourage people to do some of those tests and whatnot to figure out where their strengths are and where their weaknesses are. It will help guide them when they're making career decisions going forward. Is that what you do at uh, Carrington Legal Search? Or, I mean, the name Legal Search to me says something else. Well, so Carrington Legal Search is focused primarily on retained search for either corporations looking for their top executive legal talent, so chief legal officers or general counsel and all of their direct reports at the officer level. And then also for law firms, we work with partners with business. So they, as they change firms. So we're retained by either companies or firms to do searches for them to identify and recruit the talent they need. Thanks, Carrie, for your insights on legal employment trends and also for the advice you've given to uh, executives and HR professionals. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed being here. Support for this show comes from Western Carolina University, a campus of the University of North Carolina system, with the technical assistance of Kelly Minnis.